Hi, I'm Dan Jones. And I'm Mia Lee, and we are the editors of Modern Love at The New York Times and co-hosts of the Modern Love podcast. We read love stories for a living. And by love stories, we mean essays written by real people about all forms of human connection. We're talking about everything from first dates to funerals, from sibling rivalries to new love at 85. On our show, we're going to bring those stories to life. We'll hear from the writers and also from the people who are written about. Relationships are the most important things in our lives. And the people that tell us their stories are just so brave, like way braver than I think I am most of the time. Yeah. They're so honest and so vulnerable. And listening to the stories, I feel like you absorb so much wisdom and you get a sense that you're not alone. You can follow Modern Love wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. We hope you'll join us. New episodes are out every Wednesday. From the New York Times, I'm Michael Barbaro. This is The Daily. Today. Twin Falls, Idaho, was a typical American town. Then, at the height of the presidential election, rumors surrounding a brutal local crime simmered to a boil and turned the whole town upside down. A fake news story and its real-life consequences. It's Wednesday, September 27th. So the first that the mayor or anybody else in city government gets wind of anything is at a city council meeting. For those of you wishing to join us, please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. They take place on Monday nights. They're in a small auditorium. Usually half a dozen people show up. Caitlin Dickerson covers immigration for the Times. And they end up talking about, like, lawn watering schedules and ribbon cuttings. We do have a quorum of the city council in attendance this evening. Uh, So just like any other Monday night, the city council meeting starts. So the first item is uh, general public input. If there is anyone here from the public who wishes to address the council. So somebody gets up. He states his name. Uh, Terrence Edwards, uh, 172 Long Island. Terry Edwards. Uh, I guess my concern is, is... With the refugee uh, situation we have in this community. And then he starts to ask about a crime. We've been made aware of an assault of a minor child. It's been indicated that the perpetrators were four Muslim youth. He says there was a rape. Yes, it was a rape. He says Muslim youth were involved. And uh, I think that there's a method of cover-up here in the community. I think it starts with the police department. I think that they are have their mouth zip closed. Uh, you know, another person got up. My name is Heather Stroop. Julie Ruff, 2849 Rock Creek Road. And then another person got up, I think at least half a dozen people. I also have heard about a minor who was attacked. What's Twin Falls City doing about these people's concerns? Because there's people who are legitimately scared. I'd like to know if the city council knows where the youths were who perpetrated the crime. And you guys are hiding it. They, they think that the city government is hiding what actually happened. Why aren't we profiling Muslims? I don't, I'm not a racist or a white supremacist, but there should be profiling. ISIS is here. The Muslim Brotherhood is here. My family isn't safe here. And if you don't address it, there's going to be heck to pay. Thank you for sharing your comments and concerns this evening. And the mayor and the city council members 
have no idea what he's talking about. I am not personally aware of that. But again, if there are specific allegations. I have not heard a news report about it, allegations is that of a typical? rape. Of, ma'am. It, 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 we were caught totally flat-footed. We didn't know anything. And so I said, I don't know what you're talking about. If there's been a crime committed, I'm hopeful that someone reported that to the police. And I will certainly follow up with them and make sure that occurred. Sean Barriger had been elected mayor of Twin Falls just six months earlier. And then one of the last speakers gets up and waves this paper at us. And it is a printout of a news story that had run on the local newscast. Idaho's first news has confirmed that a reported sexual assault around the Fonbrook apartments in Twin Falls is being investigated by the Twin Falls Police Department, but no one will comment officially on the case while it is still under investigation. So starting that night, you start to see blog posts pop up in places like Jihad Watch, like Refugee Resettlement Watch, Creeping Sharia, like the Muslim Issue. These are names of blogs that track refugee resettlement, that track the spread of Islam, and that oppose both. And the headlines repeat this very scary set of facts. Three Syrian refugees rape little girl at Knife Point in Idaho before urinating on her body. Furious residents accuse Twin Falls City Council members of covering up the assault. Then it starts to show up on local Fox News affiliates. Who in the media is focusing on this five-year-old girl in a rape case? Idaho should be the clarion call of every suburban mom out there. It shows up on Infowars. The victim was a young girl who was born premature and is less developed. There are YouTube videos about it. The reason I'm obsessing over Islamic, 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 that's the big story here. This is exactly the kind of immigration that Donald Trump wants to halt and that we must halt. All of this is getting shared on Facebook. And so all of it's getting amplified. These supposed city leaders would have the good people of Twin Falls believe there isn't any invasion of psychotic refugees gradually flooding the United States. That and I think the peak really is when it hits Drudge. It's the main story, banner headline, Syrian refugees rape five-year-old girl at knife point in Idaho. But the problem is none of those scary details turn out to be true. Which details were wrong in that reporting? So there was no knife. There were no Syrians involved in the crime. There were no Syrians who've ever been resettled in Twin Falls at all. This was not a gang rape. And maybe most importantly, everybody here involved in this crime was a child. And that's a really big piece that was left out. The perception was that these were young men, young adults or adults. Adult men who gang-raped a five-year-old girl, when in fact the physical contact that took place was between a five-year-old girl and a seven-year-old boy. Hmm. And that's quite different different. from the way it was portrayed. So what actually happened in Twin Falls? What happened there is hard to talk about because news organizations don't report on sexual assault cases, especially those involving Mm -hmm. minors, and because these cases are kept private for a reason— But here is what we know legally. Three children were found partially disrobed in a laundry room that was shared in an apartment complex where they live. It was a a five-year-old girl and two boys who were refugees. The boys were charged with lewd and lascivious behavior. That means inappropriate touching. And the seven-year-old is the one who's 
accused and was later convicted of having done this, right? There's a 10-year-old in the room who was shooting a cell phone video and then a 14-year-old who was charged as an accessory whose Mm -hmm. cell phone was borrowed. So what you have to remember is that these cases, although they're tragic, they're disturbing, they're not entirely uncommon. In Twin Falls alone, the police department there says that about half a dozen of them each year are prosecuted where both the children and the accused in the cases are minors. They say that for very young kids, it's often motivated by a desire to explore, kind of playing doctor type thing. And as kids get older, a sexual component becomes part of it too. It sounds like what you're saying is that as as awful and unsettling as this case may be in some of its details, it's not all that unusual for kids to behave this way. So why did this story take off in the way that it did? I think it took off because it involved refugees and because it came up in a moment where both locally and nationally there was an incredible amount of tension, of fear, of frustration pent up, and really a lot of people looking for a case that they could use as an example for why refugees should not come to the United States. The White House now says the United States is preparing to accept at least 10,000 Syrian refugees. This is about a nine times increase over the number that was taken in this past fiscal year. So as the White House terms it, it's a significant ramping up. The local newspaper reported that it expected that the majority of the refugees who would be resettled in the following year would be from Syria. And you remember this came at the height of a lot of national concern about members of ISIS being able to slip through the refugee resettlement program from Syria. And then... We cannot afford to talk around issues anymore. We have to address these issues head on. I called for a ban after San Bernardino and was met with great scorn and anger. But now, many are saying that I was right to do so. And that is the backdrop for these city council meetings in Twin Falls that the mayor was leading. We're talking about the Muslim influence. It's time to take our country back. Embarrass yourself and embarrass this community. For the discussion of this issue here in these council chambers, emotions have run high on both sides of this dais. How did the mayor try to get out ahead of this? And what was he doing to try to stop the spread of this fear? The mayor tries to separate fact from fiction. He tries to calm people down. He and the other city officials are all really trying to tamp down these fears, many of which are not based in reality. So the police chief also shows up. No evidence that a knife was used. But all of these efforts really fuel the fire and fuel the concern even more Because in all of these statements, they have to acknowledge, they have to say, look, we can't tell you exactly what happened inside the laundry room because this case involves children and we've been barred from doing so by the judge. You know, the newspaper ethically wouldn't report on something like that. The handling judge has sealed this case. Because of that and because of state laws that deals to juvenile offenders, I as the chief or any law enforcement official really cannot comment any further in regards to that particular incident. And just that that gray area, that question mark about what actually happened, it, it allowed people to capitalize on the lack of solid information by just filling in the blanks with outlandish details. So believers in this story cannot be dissuaded. And it sounds like the story 
lives on. It lives on and it continues to grow because it continues to be picked up by outlets with larger and larger and larger audiences. What's going on with this horrific story out of Twin Falls? And one of the biggest outlets to pick up the story is Breitbart News, which at the time is being run by Steve Bannon. Every theme that is important in this presidential race is in this, in the particular, you can tell the general. That's why we've got Lee Stranahan. On the case, Lee tells what's going on. And he sends his lead investigative reporter, a guy named Lee Stranahan, to Twin Falls to cover the story. We get guys like Stranahan. This guy's like a pit bull. And we're going to let him off the chain. And Lee embeds there. He stays there for months. And he covers the story aggressively. Who is this guy? Lee Stranahan is in his 50s, but he's actually relatively new to journalism. He'd been living in California and working in television for many years and was a liberal. He voted for Barack Obama in 2008. He says he hated George Bush. Um, In addition to working in TV, he also shot erotic photography. Hmm. But at a certain point, he starts writing for the Huffington Post initially and meets Andrew Breitbart, who becomes his mentor and converts him to conservatism. He eventually offers Stranahan a job at Breitbart News, where he becomes an investigative reporter. And then after Breitbart dies, Steve Bannon assumes a similar role at Breitbart, but also in Stranahan's life. So he was really interested in Islam, really interested in the issue of refugee resettlement and had covered it for Breitbart when he found out about the story in Twin Falls and decided he had to get a piece of it, too. This is a story that hits on a number of things, including the fact, let's face it, in this election, we are not running against Hillary Clinton. We're running against the mainstream media. His most explicitly stated goal in his stories while he was there was to tell the truth. He repeated, he said that the city council and the local officials there were involved in a cover-up and Hmm. he was going to reveal what really happened. But he didn't tell the truth in the end. And it's a real question for people. Why would the local authorities here, you know, is the mayor a big, you know, Sharia supporter? That's what we're out here on the ground getting to the reality, why this has happened. Do you honestly think that it's possible that the mayor of Twin Falls is a, is a Sharia supporter? Did you think no, that at the time? I, no, I, I don't. I think I probably, I mean, if I said that, I probably followed up by saying no. <laughs> He's no, not- you just left it out there. I mean, I'll play it for you. I'll send it to you after we finish. You just left it out there. Yeah, I'd have to hear what it was. I've been very clear before I even went to Twin Falls. Uh, but let me let me just say something about the last point because I think I think it's Caitlin, I'd like to ask you this as a journalist: What happens when you present a fellow journalist with incontrovertible information and say this is in direct contradiction to something you have disseminated wildly, and it is creating a false impression? What do, what does someone like Lee say to you? Those conversations were really slippery. They were really long. He's hard to pin down. You know, you ask him one very specific question. Lee, what does any of it have to do with Twin Falls? There are no Syrians in Twin Falls. I mention it because I know those numbers offhand. I know I I can tell you what the Syrian. And by the way, there are Syrians coming to Twin Falls. I don't know how that's going to change. And then he sort of is like a pinball jumping back and forth. I'm making the details up here because I don't remember them. But that the police were called three weeks earlier. A bunch of different topics that are sort of very loosely related to one another. The Sufis are the people who dance at Grateful Dead concerts. The Sunnis are the clitorectomies are a bad thing. And I guess stoning women to death for committing adultery, which happens, is a bad thing. So I felt really unsatisfied walking away from a lot of those conversations. But what did come through to me was that he cares more, I think, about being able to say what it is that he wants to say and and not being sort of um, censored than he does about getting it right. 
there is a correlation you're not supposed to talk about between Islamic refugees and rape. And you can see this in Sweden. You can see this in Cologne. And this is coming, you know, not long, you know, months after the Cologne thing, but when it was still fresh in a lot of people's memories. So... That's when my email blew up. The mayor starts to receive a level of communication that he has never seen before in his life. I get up in the morning and I read my email with my coffee before I read the newspaper. So when your email box from the night before is chock full of excellent work allowing third world savages into your community and then allowing them to rape little girls and not investigate it. The actual taxpayers are getting sick and tired of the government failing them at every level. He's getting emails almost every minute of the day. Police equals treason. Mayor equals treason. Council members equal treason. Cover up. Totally worthless failures the entire city council. We will and are holding you responsible for any and all crimes committed by these quote refugees. No courts, no police, just us. You will answer to us in the darkness of night. It was way bigger than I thought it was going to be. And it was all about this sentiment that I didn't think was in my community. Certainly not widespread. And he's never experienced anything like this before. Remember, there was no fake news at this point in time. That wasn't part of the common vernacular. And up until that point, you know, as far as most Americans are concerned, if you read something on a news story, it's real. It happened. And so he's seeing these stories pop up online. He's seeing literally thousands of messages come into his phone and into his email inbox. And he gets completely consumed by it. He stays up all night reading these messages. He says he was a wreck. He said it was hard to work. And he really felt like, you know, he really felt like the whole country was following this story and the whole country thought that he was a corrupt, you know, colluding politician. I stayed up late following the following the narrative down the rabbit hole. I'd get up early, you know, worried about what emails did I get overnight and um, what's going to be in the paper this morning. I mean, it got in the way of me being able to do my mayor job, my chamber job, my chores at home, my being a good dad, my being a good husband, it, it consumed me. And then... Yes, good afternoon, Mrs. Berger. His wife one day showed up at work the, uh, and sat down and hit play on her voicemail. I wonder, Miss Berger, if your residence was posted online and your whereabouts identified, how you would feel if half a dozen Muslim men raped and sodomized you, Ms. Berger, and when you tried to scream, broke every tooth in your mouth. And then I wonder how you'd feel if when you went to the Twin Falls Police Department, they told you to run along, that this is simply cultural diversity, don't you know? Recently, a woman, a member of Parliament, Joe Cox, in England, who advocates the absolute inundation of her country with the lowest common denominator humanity has to offer, so-called refugees, she met with opposition in the form of a bullet to the head. She's dead now. They've buried her. Have a nice day. (sighs) Sorry, there are are actually parts of this that are uh, still a little difficult to to talk about 
that on a personal level was probably the most, uh, it was the scariest moment of this entire discussion. It gives you a sinking feeling to know that somebody somewhere took the time to find my phone number and leave me a voicemail beyond disheartening does strike a bit of fear into you. What's sort of ironic here is that the only time that the FBI and parts of the FBI that look into terrorism were involved in this case at all were as a result of these threats that came in to city officials from people who were concerned about terrorism to begin with. So what you're saying is like, so these people who are afraid of terrorism end up taking up the tactics of terror. The tactics that they're afraid of, exactly. I mean, these threats, I read hundreds of emails and listened to voicemails. They're incredibly graphic. They talk about rape and mutilation and murder. And it's all the same stuff that people were scared of, is, is what they end up threatening to do. My name's Andy, and I'm here with The Times, and I was... Going around asking people a little bit about their thoughts on the events that happened this summer. A producer I was with in Twin Falls went out and talked to people. Like the, what happened with the little girl? Yeah. I've heard a girl was raped or molested by some illegal immigrants. I heard that cops were covering for the refugees, um, not giving the full story, saying things didn't happen when they lied. The government is protecting them for whatever reason to make Obama's trying to look so great so he protects the refugees. I think, you know, personally, they should be castrated or um, I believe in the death penalty and uh, what our laws should be, you know, just and it's not. It's not. This feels like a larger truth about fake news in general, that once it's out in the world, it's virtually impossible to erase. And I guess it's important to remember that so many of these stories by people like Lee Stranahan, they were designed to play on people's pre-existing anxieties and angers. And so it might be especially hard to roll those back. Absolutely. I think that Lee sees his audience first and foremost as people who he describes have reasonable fears and questions about Islam, for example, because they don't know anything about it. But the answers that he gives them are the scariest possible interpretation of the facts, the worst case scenario, that your nightmare is coming true. And that's really hard to get out of people's minds entirely once they've been told that in a really visceral, real way. Caitlin, thank you very much. Thank you. On Tuesday, The Times reported that President Trump plans to cap refugee admissions for next year at 45,000, setting a historically low limit on the number of people who can resettle in the U.S. after fleeing persecution in their own countries. The limit is the lowest any White House has sought since 1980, the year legislation was enacted giving the president a role in determining a cap on refugees. The cap has never gone lower than 67,000, the number Ronald Reagan said in 1986. We'll be right back. This fall, 
History is Happening, September 14th, 2021. Hamilton, the Tony, Grammy, Olivier, and Pulitzer Prize-winning musical, returns to Broadway. Tickets are on sale now. Performances begin September 14th. Hamilton, back on Broadway at the Richard Rogers Theater. Learn more at hamiltonmusical.com. Here's what else you need to know today. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has officially abandoned the Republicans' latest effort to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act, conceding that his party does not have the votes. We haven't given up on changing the American health care system. We are not going to be able to do that this week, but it still lies ahead of us, and we haven't uh, given up on that. McConnell says Republicans will now move on to their next big legislative priority, the same one they had planned to turn to back in July, when the skinny repeal vote failed, overhauling the tax code, a task Congress has not accomplished since 1986. And President Trump says Puerto Rico has been, quote, literally destroyed by Hurricane Maria and is vowing to visit the island next week as criticism grows that his administration has failed to adequately respond to the crisis there. And it's the most difficult job because it's on the island. It's on an island in the middle of the ocean. It's out in the ocean. You can't just drive your trucks there from other states. And uh, the governor said, we are doing a great job. In fact, he thanked me specifically for FEMA and all of the first responders in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico's governor, Ricardo Rossello, says the country is on the brink of a humanitarian crisis and is pleading with the White House for help. Recognize that we Puerto Ricans are American citizens, he said. When we speak of a catastrophe, Everyone must be treated equally. I will be going to Puerto Rico on Tuesday. I'll also be going to the U.S. Virgin Islands. Over the last several weeks, our nation has been tested by the destructive force of Mother Nature. But we will respond to it with an even mightier force, the resolve of the American spirit. That's it for The Daily. I'm Michael Barbaro. See you tomorrow. When times became uncertain, Womply pivoted their technology platform and committed to help small businesses and self-employed workers get approved for their PPP loan. In just a few months, Womply has helped one million businesses across America to secure much-needed funding so they can continue to stay open and serve their communities. Womply helps small businesses thrive. Visit Womply.com to learn more.